There is grace like the ocean sand There is mercy drawing near In the arms of love There is peace to comfort me There is power when I sing There is joy that overwhelms In the arms of love Oh my Savior You have rescued me from danger Toils and snares wrecking me With the righteous pulled me in And held me there In the arms of, in the arms of In the arms of your great love In the arms of, in the arms of In the arms of your great There is shelter from the storm Satisfaction when I want more There is freedom from these chains In the arms of your love There is seeing for the blind Satisfaction when There is seeing Signs of life in the arms of your love. Oh, my Savior, you have rescued me from danger, toils and snares, wrecking me with the righteous, pulled me in and helped me. Oh, oh. 
Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I want to welcome you here to uh, church this morning, and we're gathering together to worship Jesus together, and I am uh, Jeremiah. I just came in from Florida this week and uh, worked with a school here in town, and just they invited me to come. Well, I actually probably invited myself to come over and lead worship, so just wanted to uh, introduce myself and just say that it's a good morning to be here with you, and I want to invite you to stand up now and turn around and greet someone around you. Just introduce yourself, say hello. It's kind of uh, funny to say Creekside Church, but every time I say it, I get excited. I I had to tell like three or four people this week, yeah, I work for Creekside Church, but it almost came out cornerstone. But when I say that, don't you get excited, even if it's weird, don't you get excited because it's like, we, this is it. Like, we're moving forward together. We are on mission with God. Who's excited about that? Yeah. It's, uh, it's cool. And it's, um, it, I really, this just feels uh, like we're moving forward as a family. And it's awesome to be able to go out and get other people and bring them into that, um, into the family of God, really. Um, I know you came this morning and you heard this and you got excited because you're like, this is way better than we usually have. (laughs) Uh, But let me tell you, um, Jeremiah will not tell you this and he'll probably get upset for me telling you this, but you need to know it. Um, There's not many people that I have met that have a heart for worship and a heart for the gospel at the same time as Jeremiah. Um, you can, you'll, you'll hear it this morning, but you'll see it in how he worships. Um, it, it's not about him, and you'll see that. It's about Jesus. It's about, hey, he's worshiping, he's looking at Jesus, and everyone else is like, I want to look there too. Um, because he is wholeheartedly, I've, I, I, he's a perfect example of someone that um, is completely 100% relying on God for his own needs as he travels. He's on tour right now. Um, He's an excellent musician, written some good songs. Some are on the radio. One is on the radio. Um, But as he travels, he never asks for money. He sells CDs. I I really, uh, I would hope that a lot of you buy that CD today. But Jeremiah, he never asks for money. Um, He travels around and he depends on God to give him what he needs as he travels, and to provide for his family back home. And that's an amazing thing. So it, as the offering comes around today, we're going to take the regular offering. If you're a guest uh, this morning, that's not for you, because um, we never, ever want to push you or compel you or guilt you into giving. Um, but if you want to give to Jeremiah, you can either do it by, on the memo line, just put Jeremiah Jones. Um, you haven't heard much of him yet. But if you want to give money to him afterward, too, he's got a table back there. And uh, um, after you hear him and you understand what I'm saying about, about him. Um, but to switch gears off of him, um, we're here to worship this morning. And we are excited about worshiping. So I'm going to pray, and, uh, and he's going to lead us. And the offering is going to come around. Um, if you're giving pledges um, on the memo line, make sure it says building campaign. If you're giving to Jeremiah, it'll say Jeremiah Jones. And still make, yourself, make your uh, checks out to Cornerstone Community Church. We're working on the process with the banks to get that change to Creekside. So let me just pray, and uh, let's worship together. 
God, I, uh, I thank you that you're in this place, and I thank you that you've brought this group of people here today, now, to worship together. God, we, we are excited to be in your presence together, and I pray that you will meet us all where we're at, and that you'll touch our hearts, that you would afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted, God, this morning. I, I just thank you that Jeremiah is here. I thank you for his heart, um, and uh, we are excited to just uh, be in your presence and worship you, and Jesus, remember you. Um, I pray that you would be with Kyle and speak through him this morning, straight to our hearts, that your word would pierce through bone and marrow to our hearts and change us, God, this morning. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as Nick said, we get to worship together this morning. It just means that we don't necessarily have to sing, right? But we do need, and what God invites us to is to open our hearts to him and to be real before him this morning and not go through emotion or check a box, right? Because we're wasting our time if we don't, right? We're wasting our time if we're just faking our way through this thing we call Christianity. There's a lot of beauty on the other side of it, though, when we're honest with God and we tell him how much we love him and we declare the truth together in unison and we sing these prayers and these scriptures as one. It's one of the few times the church, the modern church, gets together and sings prayers in unison says things in unison. It's very unifying for us to do that. So let's just focus on the one who is over all, the one who has given us breath and life and hope and joy and strength and peace. Let's just worship him now. I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow lord now indeed i find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow 
Jesus died my soul to save My lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow Sin had left Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who Paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who made my dead and raised this life up from the dead. Jesus. Oh, it's paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow yes he washed it white as snow teach you a song. You have brought us back. You are strong to save. Worthy is the Lamb. You have conquered the grave. And we are lost no more, for the price has been paid. It's only by your blood. It's only by your blood we've overcome. You have brought us back. You are strong to save. Worthy is the Lamb. You have conquered the grave. We are lost no more. For the price has been paid. How marvelous is your love. You took our shame. 
You took our shame and you nailed it to the cross. Bore all our sins, you laid down your life for us. There is power in your name, there is shelter in your love. It's only by your blood we've overcome. You have found us, you have found us when we were hopeless in chains broke the bonds of fear opened our eyes and our ears we are lost no more we are counted with the saints how marvelous is your love you took our shame and you nailed it to the cross for all our sins you laid down your life for us there is power in your name there is shelter in your love it's only by your blood we've overcome it's only by your blood 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 we've overcome heaven's bright and spotless one the father's only son it's only by your blood we've overcome oh it's only by your blood we've overcome and what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus, oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And you took our shame and you nailed it to the cross. For all our sins, you laid down your life for us. There is power in your name, there is shelter in your love. It's only by your blood we've overcome. It's only by your blood. It's only by your blood. It's only by your blood. 
It's only by your blood we've overcome Heaven's bright and spotless one Heaven's bright and spotless one The Father's only Son It's only by your blood we've overcome Oh, it's only by your blood we've overcome Father, thank you that we can rest today in your arms, in the arms of love, the arms that sent his one and only son to pay our price, the price of our blood that we could not pay. And Jesus, you paid that price with your blood. You paid that price with your life. You paid that price by leaving your throne and stepping down and and being God incarnate, God in the flesh, God who walked with us, who moved into our neighborhood and began to understand and understood fully our suffering and our fallenness and our frailty. And God, we thank you this morning. And we remember, Jesus, that you died for us. We remember that we need the saving work of the cross in us today and in us tomorrow, and in us the next day, and in us every day until we breathe our final breath. We thank you for this morning that we could gather, that we could gather, not everyone even knowing each other, and singing these songs, that that unifies us, and that gives us hope. So, God, would you please speak deeply into our souls this morning, as we hear from the scripture, as Kyle shares, as we take the elements later on as we give you our tithes and our offerings, and as we sing these songs. We want to say that we love you and that we worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jeremiah. I think I could become a groupie, right? Follow this guy around. This, it's nice being led to Jesus. Nice being led, the reminder of who Jesus is and what he's done. We're going to continue in, in John chapter 14 today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Uh, thank Alan last week who kind of jumped in for me. Karen's grandpa passed away and we end up being in Dubuque. So if you're wondering why we went from John 15 back to 14, that's the reason. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. Remember, we go back to our very first message in John. These words were written so that you may believe. The purpose of John writing this gospel, this book, was that you may believe. These words were written so that you can know it's only by his blood, right? These words were written so that you may believe. So today, John chapter 14, we'll get through as much as we can here. Starting in verse 1, it says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. We could camp here all day. We live in a world that is broken We live in a world where there is trouble. We live in a world where there is hurt and there is pain. Whether it be death or sickness or broken marriages or broken relationships. Maybe it's kids going a a direction we don't want to see them to go. Maybe it's a a broken relationship with a parent. This week I was uh, talking to a couple that was buying a home and in it they wanted to make sure there was a place 
for this chest that they had, a large chest. And I asked them the question, okay, what's so important about this? And she recalled this event some 25 years ago and begins to tell me the story. She said, well, we had a six-year-old son. And you know where the story goes from there. Freak accident, he gets hit in the neck. They rush him to the hospital, and he's brain dead. He said, in that is all our memories of our six-year-old son. And that was some 25 years prior. But what? Her heart still troubled by that, and right, rightly so. Here she is recalling this event, this memory of her son, six years old, lost. That hits home. I, I've got a six-year-old as well, and as she's telling me this story, I'm, I'm trying not to, to choke up because I'm picturing my own six-year-old and how I'd react to something like that. But here's the reality in which the world we live. It is broken. It is full of sin. It is full of pain. It is full of hurt. And it's going to be like that. But here's the beautiful thing, and as we read on these next few verses, we see the solution. Yes, in this world, there will be trouble. There will be pain. There will be brokenness. Rest assured, it's going to happen. You may be experiencing that in your life right now. And it's not bad to mourn those things. It's not bad to hurt over those things. And some of them can be simple, right? Our oldest child can be going off to kindergarten. Well, in this world, yeah, I'd bring it up again to her. But in this world, there can be trouble. Some of us going back to school. I know Amy going back to school and going back to teaching has a newborn baby, hurting, leaving her child, right? It's simple things. Some are, are large things. Some are simple. But in this world, there's trouble. There's heartache. There's pain. It's reality. But here's, here's the awesome thing. These next verses. What does Jesus tell us? Do not let your hearts be troubled, but the solution, trust in God and trust also in me. Trust in God and trust also in me. See, there will be trouble. There will be hurt. There will be brokenness because that is the world in which we live. But the solution is simple. Trust in God and trust in me, Jesus says. Does that mean everything's going to be perfect? Right? No. There's still going to be pain. There's still going to be hurt. There's still going to be sorrow. All those things are still going to take place. But the beautiful thing is there is a solution. There is a place of joy even in the trials, even in the tribulation, even in the difficult times. There is a place of joy and peace and rest, isn't there? Trust in God and trust in me also. Jesus not only tells us to trust in him, but he continues on and he tells us of this great hope that we have, where we can find this joy and this great hope. Listen to this. He says this. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. This is the joy that we look forward to and we long to. And we long for. We know there will be trials and tribulations and pains in this world. But Jesus says, I have gone to prepare a place for you. For those that have trusted in God and trusted in me, that have a relationship with me, that know me, and by knowing me know the Father, I have gone to prepare this place for you. So no matter the difficulties, the trials, the struggles, the hurts, the pains, the sorrows in this life, this is my hope. This is my joy. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. 
And he continues on and he says this, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus says, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and then I'm coming back for you. Some of us may pass on and meet Jesus sooner than others, but Jesus has promised this, that he is going to return. He is going to come back. Despite these struggles, despite these pains, we have a hope and a joy that Jesus is coming back. And because of my relationship, because I know God and know his son, and I trust in God and trust in his son, I long for this. I look forward to this. I long for the day when Jesus is coming back. Here's what he says, Paul talking in in 1 Thessalonians, says this, maybe. Well, I'll read it to you anyway. Okay, there it is. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And next one. All right. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is coming back. I love that song we sang that Jeremiah led us in. Led, he, he leads the angels' armies, right? This is who we know. This is the son that's going to return. This is the promise that he's given us. He is coming back for us. And so no matter what this life throws at, throws at us, whether it be a broken relationship or, or death, or hurting, or sickness, whatever it is, trust in God, trust in me, and know I'm returning. I'm coming back. And this great hope that we have is in this relationship with God through Jesus. Isn't that awesome? No matter what's going on, pain, struggle, sickness, Jesus is coming back. And our our joy and our comfort is found in our relationship with him. Verse 4, you know the way to the place where I am going. I love this. These guys have been with Jesus. If you go back to John chapter 12, it talks about this. In John chapter 12, it talks about Jesus uh, and his ministry, and it was his third Passover. Okay, so we know now that his disciples have been with Jesus for about three years. Three years they've been with Jesus. Now, in three years of being with Jesus, I would think that they begin to understand what's going on. Right? Three years they've listened to him. Three years they've heard his teaching. Three years they have seen his miracles. They have seen him move. They have seen him do some very incredible things in these three years. But yet here we see Thomas and we see Philip still not understand. Now, now we have a little easier than they do. We can look back. We get the whole story at once. They didn't have that. But you'd think after three years these guys would begin to understand who Jesus is, he, what he's telling them, and what he's done. But yet they continue to, to kind of be puzzled by this whole thing. So Jesus tells them, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Okay, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back for you. That, that place in my father's house, there are many rooms. There are many homes. Okay, I'm going there to prepare a place. And you know this place where you're going. 
Well, Thomas' response to that is, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Three years, and he still doesn't quite grasp Jesus, still doesn't quite grasp who Jesus is and what he's done, where he's going. And where he's going. So here's the response. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Is there a more clear verse in all of Scripture of what we need to do to know the Father? of what we need to do to know and have a relationship with God, to know this place that Jesus is going, that he's prepared for us in heaven. What a clear picture of what we need to know. What has Jesus said? I am the way, singular. I am the truth, singular. And I am the way, singular. I am am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, okay? First of all, this is a singular thing. What is he saying? It's not that there are many ways to heaven. There is one way, right? You can hear people like Oprah, and Oprah says, as long as you believe in the light or as long as you believe in Allah or whoever it is, you're going to be okay. What does Jesus say about that? Jesus says, I am the way. There are not many ways to heaven. There is one Acts 4.12 says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There is one way, one name, one person, and that is Jesus. I am the way. He also says, I am the truth, right? There are, in our world in which we live, uh, there is a, a philosophy, basically, if you believe one thing and I believe another thing, that's okay. As long as you believe something, you're all right. What does Jesus say? I am the truth. You go back to John chapter 1, verse 10. Jesus says, it says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Throughout the scriptures or throughout the gospel of John, Jesus says, I speak truth. Jesus, full of truth, speaks truth. Then what's he say right here in John 14? I am truth the truth. There are not many truths. There is one. He is the way and he is the truth. And he also is the life. He is the life. Jesus offers this. If you go back to John chapter 3, he's having a conversation with Nicodemus. You know the story and he's there having, talking to Nicodemus and, and he tells Nicodemus that you must be born again. You must be born again. Nicodemus puzzled by this. And what Jesus goes on to explain him, see, we all are born physically alive, but we are born spiritually dead. So you are born physically alive, but spiritually you are born dead. And Jesus goes on to tell him, you must be born again. There must come a time in your life, where as we sang in that song, right, take my life. How's that line go? What was it? Life and dead, what, I, I wrote it down somewhere. Raise this life up from the dead, thank you. Raise this life up from the dead. There must 
come a time in my life where I go from dead to life, to life. That he is taking something that's broken, lost, and dead and making it alive. It's what he tells Nicodemus. You must be born again. You must be born again. Life happens through knowing Jesus. You must be born again. He also tells us in John chapter 10, I have come to give life and life to the fullest. Not only has he come to give us eternal life, and this idea of eternal life means that once we were dead and now we are alive from that moment that we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus, but now he's given us this abundant and full life. No longer settling for the things of this world, but settling for something and experiencing something greater in knowing Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Right? Acts 4.12 4, tells us that. There's by no other name one is saved, but through Jesus alone. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. It continues on. Philip says this. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Three years he has been with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I've got a father that, there's no offense, Dad. <clears throat> but patience isn't his greatest virtue. Is that safe to say? Yeah, okay. All right, you guys know my dad. Okay. Patience is not his greatest virtue. I worked for my dad for many years, and I know one thing. I could ask him once, maybe twice. I couldn't ask him a third time. All right? And my wife would probably tell you the same thing about me. So, These guys have been with Jesus for three years. Three years they have listened to him. Three years they have heard him teach. They have seen his miracles. They have seen him move and do some incredible things for three years. And what does Philip say? Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And I don't know about you. I don't know how I'd react. I know how I'd react, not with a lot of patience, but Jesus full of grace, truth, right? Me, Philip, are you an idiot? It's been three years you've been with me. Have you not heard anything I've said? For three years. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me? Three years we've been together. Three years you've listened to me. Three years you've heard me teach. Three years you've seen my miracles. Even after I have been among you such a long time. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after all this time, don't you know who I am? Isn't that easy for us? To be with Jesus and not to hear about Jesus. To have this knowledge of Jesus but not truly understand who he is. See, much of at least the world that we, we live in, they know the name of Jesus. They may even have heard the story of Jesus. But we understand that it's not just about knowing who Jesus is, but truly understanding that Jesus is the way to the Father, that Jesus points us to the Father. That's what he says, John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Philip, it's simple, right? You want to know the Father, what do you got to do? I'll answer that then. You got to know the Son. If you want to know the Father, 
You have to know the Son. Plain and simple. He has made him known. Philip, it's simple, guy. It's simple. You want to know the Father? I've shown him to you. I've shown you the Father. You want to know the Father? You have to know me. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this. Right? We, we know the story. You understand the, the, the doctrine uh, uh, that that's begins to be taught here in John chapter 14. The doctrine of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And John chapter 14 gives us a great picture of this. The Father, right? Jesus pointing people to the Father. Jesus and the Father are one. And then we're going to get this picture also in John 14 of the Spirit. That Jesus, once he leaves, and he tells us in John chapter 16, it's better that I leave so you can have the Spirit. The Spirit will come and will indwell you. For those that know me, Jesus saying, for those that have a relationship with Jesus, the Spirit will come and indwell and we will live differently. We will live by the Spirit. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Jesus says, it is better that I leave. And that's a crazy thought. Because we worship Jesus. We long to be with Jesus. We long for Jesus to return. But he says, it's better that I go. Because the Spirit will come. And the Spirit will indwell. And the Spirit will give you power in this life to display God, to display his power. I and the Father are one. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Right? You've been with me for three years. You've heard me teach. You've seen me and the works that I've done and the miracles I've performed. One of the evidence in the scripture of who Jesus is, is it's backed by his miracles. Jesus has done these things as evidence of who he is, that he is God's son. And Jesus is pointing us to the Father. And he's given us the spirit to point people to Jesus, right? So here he is saying, if you don't believe me, at least look at the miracles. Isn't it, isn't it obvious? I mean, I haven't seen you uh, feed 25,000 people, make a dead man live, His evidence should at least by his miracles be enough. Verse 12, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. There he is again, full of grace and truth, speaking the truth. He is the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do greater things than these. What's he saying here? Is Jesus saying that we will be greater than him? Is he saying we will do actual greater things than him? Now, I mean, you know me pretty well, right? Jesus is God and surely I am not, all right? Jesus has come to earth and Jesus lived a sinless life. I definitely haven't done that. Jesus raised a man from the dead and I haven't done that. Jesus himself raised from the dead. I haven't done that either. Jesus is coming back to reign. 
not done that either. This isn't telling me that I'm going to be greater than Jesus, so at the end of my life I can say, well, Jesus, you, you were pretty good. I don't know if you measured up to me, right? That's not what he's saying. Jesus is not saying you're going to actually do greater things than me in the actual items and things that Jesus did, but what's it saying? See, Jesus, fully God, fully man, comes to earth, right? Philippians 2 tells us he emptied himself. He became nothing. Part of what Jesus did when he became a man is he couldn't be everywhere at once. And so now for us, the church, and specifically even here, for the disciples, he's telling him, you are going to go to the ends of the earth, right? You're going to go into all nations, to the ends of the earth, to all nations, into all the world and preach the good news. And so for them to do greater things, the gospel is going to spread in a way it never had before, that Jesus by himself could not do. We, the church today, this gospel, this message of who Jesus is and what he has done, that he is the way, the truth, and the life is going in to all the world. Our mission statement, leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. We, as followers of Jesus, get to experience the expanding of the church, the growing of the church, doing greater things than Jesus, not in specific things that he had done, but in the multitude of what goes on and the growing of the church would do greater things than he Verse 13 tells us this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Now, this is a, this is a tricky verse. You've got to be careful with this verse because you don't want to read this verse and just treat it as a blank check, right? That, okay, I'm going to, I heard Mark Driscoll talking about this, and he says, you know, God is not a pinata. We just don't take a stick and start whacking him. God, give me this, give me that, and start Oh, I want all these things. That's not the point of this verse. Jesus is not a pinata. God is not a pinata, and we just start whacking him and asking things in his name, he's going to give it to us. That's not the point. The point is, is when our hearts and our lives begin to mesh with the purpose of God. When, when we in our lives begin to seek God and his kingdom, it changes our prayers. It changes the way we live. It changes how we pray. It changes how we do things. There are some that teach, and I remember reading a book, and this was from a guy in a large church, has many people at this church, and he was talking about how I should pretty much should have and expect to have more than my parents had. Bigger house, more money, all these things. Well, there's no promise of that, right? There's no promise of that at all. Praying something in Jesus' name does not mean this life's going to be easy, everything's going to go well, I'm going to have more. In fact, you go and you, you see Peter, and what's Peter say? Jesus, we gave up everything, and we're following you. We gave up everything to follow you. Well, maybe you shouldn't ask that, because then Jesus turns around on him and says, well, now you're going to give up your life. <laughs> be careful what you tell Jesus you've done for him. <laughs> ask anything in my name. Right? It's, it's not this blank check. He's not a pinata. I'm not asking to be you know, the first 5'11", 160-pound white guard in the NBA. All right? that's, that's not who God is. God wants to mesh our hearts and our purpose with his. That is what God desires. And when that begins to mesh and that begins to happen, 
then God begins to move and God begins to answer prayer. I was reading in a story, it's a book by John Ortberg, and here's what he says. This was talking about this very verse. And he says, one of my favorite adventures in prayer involves Doug Coe, who has a ministry in Washington, D.C. that mostly involves people in politics and statecraft. Doug became acquainted with Bob, an insurance salesman who was completely unconnected with any government circles. Bob became a Christian and began to meet with Doug to learn about his new faith. One day, Bob, all excited about a statement in the Bible where Jesus says, ask whatever you will in my name and you shall receive it. Is that really true, Bob demanded? Well, Doug explained, yes, it's not a blank check, but you have to take it to the context of other teachings and all of scripture on prayer. But yes, it's really true. Jesus answers prayer. Great, Bob said. Then I got to start praying for something. I think I'll pray for Africa. Well, that's kind of a broad target. Why don't you narrow it down to one country, Doug advised. All right, I'll pray for Kenya. Do you know anyone in Kenya? No. Been to Kenya? No. So Doug made an unusual arrangement. He challenged Bob to pray every day for six months for Kenya. If Bob would do that and nothing extraordinary happened, Doug would pay him $500. But if something remarkable did happen, Bob would pay Doug $500. It was an unusual plan, but he's an unusual guy. Bob began to pray, and for a long while, nothing happened. Then one night at a dinner in Washington, the people around the table explained what they did for a living. One woman said she helped run an orphanage in Kenya, the largest of its kind. Bob saw $500 suddenly sprout wings and begin to fly away, but he could not keep quiet. Bob roared to life. He had not said much up to this point, but he pounded her relentlessly with question after question. You're obviously very interested in my country. Have you been there before? No. Do you know someone from there? No. Then how do you happen to be so curious? Well, someone kind of been paying me $500 to pray. She asked Bob if he would like to come visit Kenya and tour the orphanage. Bob was so eager to go, he would have left that very night. When Bob arrived in Kenya, he was appalled by the poverty and the lack of health care. Upon returning to Washington, he couldn't get this place out of his mind. He began to write to large pharmaceutical companies, describing them the vast need he had seen. He reminded them that every year they would throw away large amounts of medical supplies that went unsold. Why not send them to this place in Kenya, he asked. And some of them did. This orphanage received more than a million dollars worth of medical supplies. The woman called Bob up and said, Bob, this is amazing. We've had the most phenomenal gifts because of the letters you wrote. We would like to fly you back over and have a big party. Will you come? So Bob flew back to Kenya, and while he was there, the president of Kenya came to the celebration because it was the largest orphanage in the country, and he offered to take Bob a tour on the capital city. In the course of the tour, they saw a prison. Bob asked about a group of prisoners there. They're political prisoners, he was told. Well, that's a bad idea, Bob said brightly. You should let them out. Bob finished the tour and flew back home. Sometime later, Bob received a phone call from the State Department of the United States. Is this Bob? Yes. Were you recently in Kenya? Yes. Did you make any statements about, to the president about political prisoners? Yes. What did you say? I told him he should let him out. The State Department explained that the department had been working for years to get the release of these prisoners to no avail. Normal diplomatic channels and political maneuverings had led to a dead end. But now the prisoners had been released, and the State Department was told it was largely because of Bob. So the government was calling to say thanks. Several months later, the president of Kenya made a phone call to Bob. He was going to rearrange his government and select a new cabinet. Would Bob be willing to fly over and pray for him for three days while he worked on this important task? 
So Bob, who was not politically connected at all, boarded a plane once more and flew back to Kenya where he prayed and asked God to give wisdom for the leader of the nation as he selected the government. And all this happened because one man decided to pray. Isn't that incredible? What are you praying for? What am I praying for? He is willing to do whatever we ask in his name, in the name of Jesus. And when our hearts align with his purposes, God begins to work in some incredible, incredible and amazing ways. Andrew and I had lunch this week, and, and I had the opportunity, and I began to tell him some of the stories that I experienced as the youth pastor at, at formerly Cornerstone, Creekside. And I remember God moving, and, and remember God moving because we prayed, and we asked God to move. I remember the story, and I've shared it with you before, the story of J.J., and since half of you haven't heard of it, I'll tell it again. But the story of J.J., one night at youth group, we're sitting there, and we, we are, we're talking about the power of prayer, actually. And Matt Deaver comes up to me and says, you know, I've, J.J.'s been coming to youth group for a long time, but I've not felt led to share the gospel yet. But tonight is the night, Kyle. Let's go pray for J.J. So I got done sharing uh, the message, and we went upstairs, and we fell flat on our faces, and we began to pray for J.J. God, today is the day of salvation for J.J. Today, save J.J. J.J. comes up, so we scurry to our feet, act like we're, you know, we're just sitting, hanging out, talking. He comes up there, start having a conversation. Matt says, all right, I'm going to pray for him. They leave. On the course of leaving and heading home, Matt begins to share the message of who Jesus is, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. He gave him this little New Testament. I'm sure Nora probably gave it to Matt, but he gives him this little New Testament and had underlined all these verses. J.J., read these verses. Understand who Jesus is. Know what he can do for you. So he took J.J. home. He shared the message of Jesus, and he dropped him off and told him he was going to pray for him. Well, then he went, he went to a couple elders at the church, said, hey, start praying for J.J. Meanwhile, J.J.'s home, he gets a call from a guy by the name of Matt Kennis that many of you know. Matt Kennis had, had, had gotten saved probably a month, a month and a half prior to, had no idea what had happened, wasn't at youth group that night, but felt led to call J.J. And he begins to share the story of what God had done in his life. J.J., I got to tell you what happened to me. I once was lost but now I'm found. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. And Matt shares this story of who Jesus is and what he's done. Matt begins to pray. Matt Deaver, the other Matt, is at home praying. And he comes to a point, he says, Kyle, there was a point when God said, me, said to me, you don't have to pray anymore. He gave me peace. I knew that JJ was saved. I knew that it was taken care of. So I went to bed. Next day, go to school. In his locker is that little Bible. J.J., with a note, leaves a message, said, Matt, I want to give this back to you, and you can give it to somebody else, because I believe. I believe. Prayer works, doesn't it? God moves when his people pray. God works when his people pray. We want to be people of prayer, because we know that God is going to do something amazing if we pray and we ask in the name of Jesus. He continues on, and, and we're not going to go through any more of this, but I, I want you and encourage you to read the rest of John chapter 14. It's a great portion. See, we've talked about the Father, we've talked about the Son, 
And now this last portion talks about the Spirit. Father, Son, Spirit. Here's the beautiful thing. There is trouble, right? This life is difficult. It is hard. But Jesus has not left us alone. We can do great things for the kingdom because Jesus has given us the Spirit, the Counselor, to help us. And he will lead people to know Jesus. And he will lead people to the truth. And he will lead people uh, to know their sin and discover what it is to live righteous lives. He will point people to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He has not left us alone. And in John 16, like we said earlier, it is better that Jesus is gone because he has given us the Spirit. Not left us alone. He's given us this spirit of power, not timidity, spirit of power. We can accomplish great things, and we can see God do amazing things by the Spirit's working in our lives and in the people in this church's life. So, so be encouraged. There is trouble. This life isn't easy. It's difficult. It's full of sin. It's full of brokenness. It's full of, of pain and hurting and death. Someday I'll get this. But know him, Jesus, who offers peace. Jeremiah is going to come back up now, and, and we're going to continue to worship, and we're going to continue to remember Jesus, remember his blood. By, only by his blood we can be saved. Only by his blood. I would invite you this morning that if you don't know Jesus, and if you don't know the way, the truth, and the life, if you don't know, as he told Nicodemus, that you must be born again, that you can know it. You can know and you can understand that Jesus is gone. He's prepared a place for you and you alone. You has prepared a place for you in heaven. What an awesome thing. Jesus is gone. He's prepared a place and one day he's coming back. So this morning, we want to remember Jesus. We want to think about his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. So let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. What an awesome thing that you've done for us. We thank you that you've also not left us alone, that you've given us the Spirit. God, God teach us, as Jesus was teaching his disciples, that, that as he was sending them lead to, to lead people everywhere to this devoted relationship with Jesus. Help us to be people of prayer. Help us to help the Spirit. Help us to, to open to the Spirit and allow him to work and move in our lives. Help us to remember and think about and worship Jesus. Thank you for the bread and the juice as we remember his body broken and his blood shed. It's in his name we pray. Amen. with
Atoning sacrifice, keeper of this life, hallelujah, you are Savior, beginning and the end, forgiver of my sin, by your mercy you have saved us. Let's stand up together as we sing this. Jesus, you are stronger, more than any other, hallelujah, what a Savior. Jesus, you are higher, my soul's deepest desire, hallelujah, you are Savior. are the shepherd king you lead us by still waters hallelujah you are savior you are my only hope your kindness is my friend in your presence you restore us Jesus, you are stronger, more than any other. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Jesus, you are higher, my soul's deepest desire. Hallelujah, you are Savior. You are the way the truth and the life you are my joy and my salvation you stood in my place taking my shame upon your shoulders Jesus you are stronger more than any other Hallelujah, what a Savior. Jesus, you are higher, my soul's deepest desire. Hallelujah, you are Savior. Jesus, you are stronger. My soul's deepest desire, hallelujah, you are Savior, hallelujah, you are Savior. 
is our Savior, and that word is often used in the context of church, and it's often used in the context of um, war, people coming in to save us, and it can be a word that we don't allow to sink in, really. We can use it so easily and so flippantly. Jesus is my Savior. No. Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. And we, in turn, can say to him, you are my joy and my salvation. You stood in our place, taking our sins and our shame and nailing them to a cross. And that is something that should propel us forward. When we realize that our sin separates us from God completely and that Jesus' sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice for us, was way more than enough than God needed to do to bring us into a right relationship with him. It should compel us to then love one another. It should compel us to love our neighbors well, right? So let's sing one more song together uh, just as a declaration and as a prayer to God, telling him that he is good and that he is life and he's peace and he's joy. You are good, you are good When there's nothing good in me You are love, you are love On display for all to see You are light, you are light When the darkness closes in You are hope, you are hope You have covered all my sins You are peace, you are peace When my fear is crippling You are true, you are true Even in my wandering You are joy, you are joy You're the reason that I sing You are life, you are life In you death has lost its sting I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever. You are more, you are more than my words will ever say. You are Lord, you are Lord, all creation will proclaim. You are here, you are here, in your presence I'm made oh. You are God, you are God, of all else I'm letting go. And oh, 
I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever. will sing no other name Jesus Jesus my heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus my heart will sing no other name, Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing, no other name, Jesus, Jesus, oh, 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 oh. I'm to your arms I'm running to your arms the riches of your love will always be enough and nothing compares to your embrace light of the world forever and nothing compares to your embrace light of the world forever we want to thank you for coming this morning we want to encourage you to get involved whether it be signing up through a small group or or whatever it may be but get involved Uh, want to thank you uh, for being a part of, of this morning we want to encourage you and challenge you whatever we ask in his name God wants to work. God wants to do some incredible things in and through you. Whatever we ask in his name, as long as our our purposes and our heart align with the heart of God. He's given us his spirit to do it. He's not left us as orphans. He's not left us alone. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that we can come here this morning and we can worship Jesus and remember what Jesus has done for us. God, empower us, empower your people to take this message, to lead people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. Empower us as we leave this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.